Welcome to the River D Centre podcast. Listen back to the Sunday worship message recorded live in our church building in Flint, North Wales. briefly on Ruth right at the end of um, last week's uh, message and we're going to pick up where we left off and see what there is in the story of Ruth for us today. What has God got for us today? Well, Ruth chapter one, if you've got your Bibles, you turn to it. We're going to have to be quick because I'm going. Um, Ruth chapter one, verse one says this, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, I think. His wife's name was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion and they were from uh, Ephraites, I can't say it, but you, if you're reading, you'll get it, from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moab, Moabite women, and one named Orpah, and the other named Ruth. Crikey. After they had lived there for about 10 years, both Melon and Kilion died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Verse 8, then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, look, go back each of you to your mother's home may the lord show you kindness as you have shown me as you have shown kindness to me and your dead dead husbands may the lord grant each of you that you will find rest in the home of another husband then she kissed them goodbye and they wept out loud and they said to her we will go and um, we will go with you back to your people but naomi said return home with my um daughters why would you come here with me let's just pause it there for a minute so that was a a very rapid whistle stop tour of the first chapter in Ruth but we recognize that in this moment Naomi is just in just a really really difficult season look she's had to in the beginning with her husband and her sons they've had to up sticks and leave their their homeland and they've got to go across to um, the, the land of Moab they've got to find there they've got to settle they've got to get food they've got to live and they do that and all of a sudden disaster strikes and um Naomi loses her husband the two daughter-in-law lose their husbands and it's just uh, just a moment of real distress and in that moment Naomi decides look I I need to return home she hears that the famine is over that that um her homeland Bethlehem and Judah is beginning to be restored as far as food is concerned and she makes the decision that she needs to travel back you know in that moment they pack up they're getting ready to leave and then Naomi realizes it dawns on her what life really what life is there for the two daughter-in-laws you see they were from Moab 
They were from uh, a nation that actually wasn't the same as Naomi. And actually, the life that they would have to live would be very, very difficult. There was no real prospect of being able to remarry. There was no real way, logically, that Ruth and um, Orpah were going to be able to just walk into to Bethlehem at Judah and just find new husbands. And it was just unrealistic. So Naomi wanted to do the what she felt was the kind thing, was the right thing, just to release them back. Send them back to the home where they were from. And just almost say, thank you for everything. Thanks for the journey. Thanks for the memories. But it's time for you to go. It's time for you to make your own way. And the two daughter-in-laws, you know, as you read through that chapter, one, Ruth, decides to go with Naomi back to um, the, the homeland. And the other tearfully makes her way back to where she was from. The decision that Ruth makes to stay with her mother-in-law To be loyal was a really, really brave and bold decision. Can you imagine if somebody said, look, life has been pretty rough over the last 10 years. It's been pretty hard going. Just go and and try yourself. Just go and, look, I just pray that you'll work it out and it'll all be good. But if somebody, Ruth, if she thought about it for too long, she might be thinking, yeah, you know what? I can't go back to, I can't go back to, Um, with Naomi to to Bethlehem. It's not going to make any sense. It doesn't make much sense. But yet there's a conviction, there's a compulsion in Ruth to go with Naomi. Listen to this in verse 16. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. What a response that is. What a response that is from Ruth. And we're thinking about relationship. You know, when you, if you were to think about relationships across your lifetime, family, friends, people, relationships are always difficult. They're always hard. They're always, there's moments, there's contentious moments in any relationship. And she's just come through this season of just struggle and strife. And there she is saying, you know what, Naomi? I'm going to stick with you. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I think she saw something in Naomi. She must have. She must have seen something of the character of God in Naomi for her want to commit herself in this way. Really interesting. Just going to look at some of the names. Elimelech means my God is king. Interesting. He obviously passed away, but in the land, we're going to get through the story and see how that name is redeemed. The name that means my God is king is redeemed and restored. The word Naomi means pleasant and delightful and lovely. So she was pleasant. She was delightful. She was lovely. That's what the name meant. And I think Ruth maybe saw some of that in her character. Cross-cultural relationships. Cross-cultural relationships. You might be thinking, what does that mean, Ben? But you know what? Every household has a culture. Every friendship group has a culture. Every church has a culture. It doesn't just mean like borders and people from other countries is cross-cultural relationship. Yeah, that's 
that's a thing, that's okay. So, for example, we've just had the Texan team. Well, there was a culture clash. When it came to chili con carne, there was a culture clash. Yeah, I wanted to put this amount of spice in. They wanted to put this amount of spice in. And I was like, guys, this, these people, they're not ready for this. They're not ready for Texan chili. And we met in the middle. And those of you that were at the Connect Meal, it worked out okay. But you know what? From time to time, you'll know you've got friends that you love, but there are things that you clash on. There are moments that actually you don't agree with fully 100% all of the time. But how much effort do you put into cross-cultural relationships? You know, if all your friends, I'm going to make a bit of a statement now, if all your mates are here today, sat in the church, right now, here, there's a problem. There's a problem. Because we're not called to be with all of our mates here all of the time. That's not what the Bible teaches us. This isn't what, you know, Ruth um, had the opportunity to go and be with women of her kind in her way and live her life and be comfortable, maybe. Maybe work it out. Maybe she'll get married. Maybe she won't. Maybe she'll just have enough to get by. But she made the decision to throw herself into a cross-cultural relationship with Naomi, her mother-in-law. Let me just throw some more weight behind this decision. You see, Moab and Israel, they were not friends. If you read the Old Testament, you read through Numbers, you read through Judges, you'll see some of the things that were happening. You know, in Numbers, Moses, God tells Moses to go and rid the Israel camp of the Moab influence. Well, what does that mean? Well, when Moses is up the mountain and, and, and is hearing from God and he comes down and all, God's people are sin. They're worshipping other gods. They're worshipping other idols. They're involved. And the Moab influence, the cross-cultural relationship had seeped in in a negative way and a negative sense. And God actually tells Moses to rid them. He actually tells them to hang them in the sunshine. Like It's quite serious. It's quite abrupt that what God says, he wants to rid God's people of the Moab influence. So you can imagine all of a sudden Ruth is going, like the thought would cross my mind, do you want me to go where? I need to live where? You know, who's heard of Balak? You know, Balak in, the, um, in Numbers, earlier on in Numbers in 21, tries to bring a curse against Israel. So he's from Moab, Balak, and he tries to bring a curse against Israel. And some, the person that he, he, he sends out to bring the curse and to speak it over, God intervenes and the curse becomes a blessing. God reversed the curse and it becomes a blessing for the Israelites. So you can imagine that upset the people of Moab as well. What about King Eglon? Who remembers him? The big fat king. Yeah, do you remember that? In Judges, we read that King, king of Moab, the big fat king, that an Israelite, God raised up Ehud to sharpen his sword and stick it in there and some um, to bring life. So there was unrest between the nations for like ever, this whole time. So the decision for Ruth to make to go back and live in this land or to go and live in this land of an unknown people, the way that she would have been looked upon, especially as a widow, was a huge, huge decision. And one that can't, mustn't have been made lightly. No real future prospects 
no real opportunity, yet something in her was willing to say, your God will be my God. The sensible thing to do, the worldly view, would have been to remain in Moab and try. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Boldness and loyalty. Two of the characteristics that Ruth had in spades. Boldness and loyalty. What a bold decision it was to stick alongside Naomi, her mother-in-law. Well, the story goes on, and we, we, we won't read it for the sake of time, but the story presses on, and we're introduced to somebody by the name of Boaz. So Ruth and Naomi make their way back to Bethlehem. They make their way back to the land, and they, um, Ruth asks Naomi, look, can, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get some food. I'm going to get some stuff to eat. I'm going to start harvesting. I'm going to start picking up the grain behind some of the ladies in the field. And she heads out, and she's looking for favor from somebody. She's looking for favor from somewhere I really think we don't get to know too much about Ruth there's only four chapters long you don't really get to know that much but what I do know already is she's quite feisty she's quite brave she's bold she knows what she wants and she she heads out to get it so she heads out to the field and she starts harvesting and gleaning in the field behind some of the ladies and I love the way that the bible says this she just so happened to end up she just so happened to end up. You know, if you've been in church for five minutes um, or 50 years, however long you've been here, I want you to know this, that things don't just happen. Things don't just so happen. She just so happened is what the author tells us. But what that tells me is that God was involved. You know, you read four chapters of Ruth and God is hardly mentioned. God is hardly mentioned what does that mean you know that statement your god will be my god is one of one of two or three references to god in the whole four chapters i think it's strange to read the bible and not be all about god it doesn't make sense but what this story shows me is how god works behind the scenes is that in these four chapters across this story of ruth and everything that we learn about her what it shows me is this that god doesn't need to be named God is at work through his people. Boldness, a, a, a quality that Ruth had. What does Proverbs 28.1 says? The righteous are as bold as a lion. You see, the decision to make that claim that says, Naomi, your God is going to be my God. The second that Ruth made that statement, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And there it comes. We're introduced to Boaz. Boaz, the guy in the, the field, turns up and he says hello to his workers. And he notices this girl picking up the, the grain at the back of the queue. And he, he asks a few people, who is that? And the people say, it's the Moab girl. It's Ruth. She's the widow from another land. Like word had already spread. It didn't take long. Word had already spread that she was a widow. She's from another land. Just whatever. But Boaz, something deep moves in his heart to show compassion and to show love on this girl. And he says to her, look, you know what? You carry on. In fact, don't join at the back. Join up at the front. You can work here. You can graft. In fact, do me a favor. Don't go anywhere else. 
You stay here. He tells all the men and all the people, nobody lays a finger on her. Nobody, nobody goes after her because the favor of God is on her. So Boaz does this and he makes a way and Ruth comes away from the day with like stacks and stacks of stuff. She walks in and Naomi's like, wow, productive day. Sometimes I come in from work and Elizabeth's like, what have you done today? And I'm like, um, um, she's like, has it been a productive day? And I have to think of things on the spot to make it sound like a productive day. But... Ruth came and she had stuff under her arm. It was a productive day. And I think Naomi began to twig that maybe the favor of God was on her. You know, a really sad part of the story, and forgive me for being a bit dirty, but we're, we're racing through for time, is when Naomi returned to Bethlehem, she wanted to change her name. She wanted to no longer be known as Naomi, pleasant and delightful. She wanted to be known as uh, bitter. She wanted to be known as forgotten. She wanted to be known as left to the wayside, that God had forgotten about her. And that sounds quite negative, doesn't it? It does. But we've been there, right? We've been there. We've all had moments where we go, God, remember me. Remember me. We've had those moments. But God, just because he's not mentioned by name, is very much at work behind the scenes. So Naomi begins to twig that the favor of God is on this situation and she gives Ruth some clear instructions. She reminds me of Elizabeth. Ben, you need to do this. This is what you need to do. Don't deviate from the plan. Do this and you'll have a productive day. And she sends, she sends Ruth back into there's a little party going on there's a little shindig and she's like you just wait for Boaz have a few drinks let him chill out let him he's going to come he's going to get to the point where he's tired and he lays his head down to rest you need to go and you need to look nice dress up smart put the perfume on and go and lie down at his feet go and lie down at his feet and here's that boldness again here's that boldness again because you know what if this action was misjudged it would have been the end of Ruth if her actions here were misjudged or mistimed it would have been a different ending to the story you know what I believe that there is an invitation for us as Christians today to take up that invitation and be at the feet of Jesus you know, the great news is, unlike Boaz, it says in the story that Boaz, wait, they waited till morning and then he recognized that she was there. The difference between God and Boaz is this, is God knows you're there. So the moment that you make that decision and you say, you know what, Lord Jesus, I'm stepping out in faith and I'm coming to sit at your feet. You see, in the culture, in the time of the day, in the, in the way of life, in this period of time, the name Elimelech, the, the family name, had been lost. It was, it was downtrodden. It was being forgotten about. There was a danger that it was just going to waste away into insignificance. Remember that name, my God is King. That name was wasting away 
what seemed like to be into insignificance. Yet our God is a redeeming God. To you, to pick up the, the word that Rachel brought to, was it to re, refer, what was the word? To refurb, recondition, that's the one. To re, God is a reconditioning God. In this moment, behind the scenes, God is reconditioning Ruth. He's reconditioning Boaz. He's reconditioning Naomi. Boaz wakes up and thinks, Crikey, what are you doing there? As I think most people would. Like, what is going on here? And he like sends her away quickly before anybody sees it. And he's like, come on, you keep going. And there's this moment where um, you might have heard people talk about the family redeemer. So in Israel at the time, there was a way that the, the family name could be redeemed. And it was through this person called the family redeemer. And basically the job of the family redeemer was that if, you know, some somebody um, died in the family, there would be a person in line from that family that would have the opportunity to come in to buy the land and to marry the widow and, and move forward. And then that would reinstate the family name, that would reinstate the lands, it would give life back to the family. And Boaz was actually second in line, second in line to be the family redeemer. He wasn't first in the queue. But this is really interesting, and this is God at work behind the scenes. So in, the, in, the day, in today's world, if you shake on a deal, if you handshake on a deal, then the deal is done. You know, that's a handshake deal. If you sign on the line, then you sign on the dotted line, you sign the contract. In this day and age, you used to take your shoe off. So you used to take your shoe off and give it to somebody else. Makes perfect sense, right? So what happens is Boaz turns up in the courts, in the in the, the marketplace of the town, and he waits there and he brings 10 elders with him and he brings the elders along. And he says, right, I want to raise something. I want to raise an issue. There's a family here that is actually wasting away. It doesn't quite say it like that. This is Ben's modern version of the Bible. Um, but like this family name is going to rack and room. Is there anybody here? wink, wink, nudge, nudge to number one in the queue that is going to be the family redeemer for this. This is really interesting. For me, it's the most interesting part of the story because what happens is this. You've got a guy that is first in line to redeem the family and what he's overwhelmed with is fear of reputation. I don't want to marry a woman from another land that's got no status, that's got no no nothing going for her she's from another foreign country I don't want the reputation of being the family redeemer for this person you know what he took his shoe off and he gave it to Boaz and he says yeah they go y you do it you redeemer and Boaz that's secretly what he was hoping for and Boaz stands up and he says yes I will be the redeemer of this family you know I don't know about you, but maybe sometimes you've been going about your business, going about life. Somebody's come across your path, an opportunity to build a relationship. And the fear of what other people might think of you creeps in. I don't want them seeing me talking to this person. What are people going to think of if they see me in this place talking to this person? The truth of the matter is this, that God has built us differently. We've been wired and connected up differently. 
because we're called to be a relational people. Boaz recognized that there was a responsibility that somebody needed to take hold of in order to restore and redeem the name of a family. Just like chapter one, you know, I've been, I've been studying some stuff through the, the Bible Project. It's a great app. It's a free app. I recommend it to anybody. Um, but I've been looking at this and I've been looking at the story. And they bro- break stuff down for you. And they broke this um, story of Ruth down for me. Um, and chapter one and chapter four, they mirror each other. They mirror each other in this way. That in chapter one, it was all about Ruth's boldness and loyalty. And in chapter four, it's all about Boaz, Boaz's boldness and loyalty. I don't know, maybe this morning there are two words that God wants us to hear. Boldness and loyalty. Are we loyal to him? Are we loyal to what God is calling us to do in our life? And have we got the boldness to do it? Have we got the willingness to step out in faith and say, God, I need you. Riverdale, let's never be a church that pick and choose who we connect with through fear of reputation. You see, when motives are pure of heart, relationships blossom. Doesn't matter what relationship, if it's marriage, if it's boyfriend, girlfriend, if it's friendship groups, doesn't matter what it is. If you want your relationship to blossom, then your motivation for that relationship has to be pure of heart. If your motives are driven by lust, anger, human desire, then relationships are often fleeting and fizzle out quickly. Boaz, it says that Boaz was blessed. Boaz was blessed to think that Ruth would want to marry him. I get the feeling Boaz was getting on in years. And I think he thought, crikey, why on earth? Why on earth would you want to do this for me? But there was a connection, God bringing people together. You know, the, the, auth, the author's intention in the book of Ruth is to help us understand that God is at work behind the scenes. The book ends with an incredible part of the story, a baby. Hey, the book ends with news of a baby, not just any baby, but a redemptive baby, a baby that is then placed in the arms of Naomi. Remember, Naomi lost her husband, lost her sons, lost her daughter-in-law, but one stuck by her, losing the family name, losing land, losing reputation, losing title. Yeah, in amongst it all, God restored her with a child from Ruth. The Bible says that they placed the baby in the arms of Naomi and she cared for her, for him. This baby was called uh, Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of David. <laughs> Amazing stuff. You read those four chapters and you go, God, you are all over it. 
you are all over it. I want to say this to you this morning. If you're looking at your marriage, if you're looking at your relationships, if you're looking at your friendship groups, your workplace situation, and you're just seeing struggle and strife, maybe you're in a season of grief, maybe you're in a season of loss, maybe you're in a season of not knowing what's going on, then I want to say this, that God has gone ahead. He's at work behind the scenes. I've got three prayer points that I'm going to just offer to pray for people. We're going to like finish now and going to get up and, and do our thing. Um, but three prayer points. And if you want to come, maybe we'll open up this area over here. So you people have to up and go unless you want praying for. Um, and we'd love to pray for you. But three prayer points. God has, gone a, God has gone ahead. If you're suffering right now, if you're struggling to see the wood for the trees, if you need more friends, I remember turning up at a, a leaders event uh, not that long ago, actually. And I went up and this bloke was talking about friends and he was talking about people. I was like, I need more friends. And I remember going up to the bloke and I was like, I need more friends. And he went, if you need more friends, you need to be a friend. I was like, all right, whatever. So he told me that if you, want, if you need more friends, you've got to be a friend. So maybe you want to grow your sphere of influence in your friendship groups. Then I would love to pray for you. So if you're struggling to see the wood for the trees right now, then please come and get some prayer. Number two, if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, then just like Naomi instructed Ruth today, I'm inviting you to come and sit at the feet of Jesus. Unlike Boaz, you won't have to wait until the morning for Jesus to notice you because he notices every hair on your head and he loves you and wants to start impacting your life today. Come and pray. Three, an increased measure of influence to build relationships. God uses people, uses character, and uses obedience and faith. And if you want them in increasing measure, the Bible tells us to ask. So come and pray today. Heavenly Father, Lord God, uh, we, I, I know I've waffled on a bit, Lord, so forgive me. But God, we just pray in this moment that you would just... Help us grasp and grab a hold of what it is to be bold and loyal. Loyal to the king. Lord, and just like you restored the name, the family name of Elimelech, that you are his God. Then God, I say you are my God and you are the God of all the people here. And we lift your name to its rightful place. And God, we thank you for the relationship that you offer us through Jesus Christ. Lord, if any of those three prayer points resonate with people now, God, I pray that you give them the confidence and the boldness to come forward and be, to lo and to be loyal to the call that you've placed on their life. In your holy name, O oh God. Amen. Amen.